When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This, this, this is the Rich Eisen Show. Let's go! Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I got to imagine, when a guy like Delvin Cook gets released, who are you hearing from right now around the league? Man, it's crazy, man. You want to get, you want to tell me who? You want to let me know where, where you're leaning right now, Del? <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show. With guest host, Tom Pelissero. Earlier on the show, Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Coming up, Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Tom Pelissero. Many camps going around the NFL, wrapping up in many cases. Just talked to Kevin Stefanski. They had their mini camp last week. Big year for the Cleveland Browns. Big year for the L.A. Chargers. Brandon Staley's going to join us in about 20 minutes right here. And we have... Dare I say, breaking news in Buffalo. Breaking news. Breaking news. Stephon Diggs is back on the field. Oh, baby. In uniform, practicing. He's here, the Bills say, with no further explanation. That's it? That's all we're getting? Uh, I don't believe Sean McDermott talks today. He might talk tomorrow. We'll see. I hope Diggs talks. I hope he talks before the end of this show. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm curious to hear his explanation. There's there's always I mean this is this is the digsiest of all dig storylines, I think, here. Bottom line, back on the field. I was gonna have this on my list of uh pre training camp storylines. It's the NFL. There's always big stories. Always. I keep a on my whiteboard at home, I keep a list this time of year, just going down it. To keep track of, okay, what are the what are the biggest unresolved things? Let's go through this list right now, since we don't have to update it. You got DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Two visits this week. He's headed to visit the Patriots today and tomorrow. It is conceivable that we could have a DeAndre Hopkins landing spot by the end of the week. The Titans, from what I'm told, when he visited them Sunday, Monday, there was not an offer. There were no negotiations. Good visit, though. And they're kind of waiting right now to see how everything shakes on Hopkins' end. Once he takes the second visit, as of now, I am not aware of any other visits that he has scheduled. No Cleveland on the uh, docket? I would be very surprised if DeAndre Hopkins ends up in Cleveland. That would really surprise me. Reunite with his quarterback, obviously. Right. I don't see it. I do not see that happening. It's just... The way that the Browns are going to look at this and the way that they've deployed their resources does not indicate that 
it's a likely landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins. I think that they discuss it like everything. Andrew Barry always looks into everything. I don't see that being a fit. I don't think he ends up in Cleveland. Dalvin Cook, still out there. We had Dalvin on the show yesterday, called in, give us an update on his shoulder and being a free agent, compared it to being on Madden and bidding <laughs> on players. Um, that's another one that hypothetically could get moving, but in talking to Dalvin yesterday... I certainly did not get the sense that he's in any rush. He's back up at Minnesota right now. I would guess packing up his house, seeing some people. Um, but, you know, he's he's in good physical shape right now. Everything's been good. He says doctors cut him loose. So that's important because any team that signs him to what should be a substantial contract is going to want to give him a physical. They're going to want to check out the shoulder before they make that type of a commitment to Delvin Cook. So everything's progressing on that front. There are... Beyond the, you know, the Dolphins and the Broncos, the teams that everybody's talked about, there are some other contenders that I fully anticipate are going to be in the mix on Dalvin Cook. But he can fully afford to be patient. He's got $2 million guaranteed. He doesn't necessarily need to take any type of pounding early on in training camp. Not that there's, like Stefanski was just saying to us, it used to be 6.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. Those days are over. There's not a lot of hitting. There's a lot of places you can go and you're not going to get tackled to the ground the entire camp. But to the extent that you really need that, especially as a running back. I, it wouldn't totally shock me if he takes his time into training camp. But we'll see. It's going to depend on the money. It's going to depend on the fit. Jimmy G, still a storyline, just because at some point he's got to pass the physical. Yeah, exactly. Del Tufo's the quarterback. Lead, Del Tufo's he's the quarterback of, uh, what was the team name again, Del Tufo, yesterday? The Del Tufo D's nuts. That's right. Las Vegas. Yeah, you were based in, yes, North Vegas, I believe it was. <laughs> North, North Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> Listen, everything that I've been told on that front is Jimmy's in. I just can't get over it. Every time you say it, you got this big grin on your face. Because we'd have a fun time. I, I, I get it. We I know why you drafted in, him. You've made might, this abundantly clear. I got a good. I got a couple good players on the team. Travis and I, I mean Parsons. Is, come on, Jimmy G. Everything that I've been told is this is progressing the way they thought it would. You go look at a lot of Patriots deals. There's plenty of players who they couldn't pass physical. They don't get their signing bonus until they do. Um, so it's an unusual situation just because it's a quarterback. That's a weird photo of Jimmy we just showed right there. Did that look odd? <laughs> Anybody what, else just see that? Oh, I missed it. Uh, it's, uh, is that a natural smile? <laughs> He's a good-looking man, but that, that's like a... That looks like a Jimmy G wax statue. Way to get a load of me. It's, yeah, exactly off. I mean. <laughs> it's unusual because it's a big financial commitment. It's a quarterback, and they had to delay a press conference. So once he passes the physical, the signing bonus gets paid. Everything's on track, but still one to track throughout the course of this offseason. Then you've got, you know, the extensions. That's a big one. We'll talk with Brandon Staley about it when he joins us in a little bit here. What's going on with Justin Herbert? But you're talking about potentially market resetting deals for multiple different players here. The Joe Burrow Bengals one will be fascinating, mm-hmm. just knowing what the Bengals traditional contract structure has been. They're one on the short list of teams. It's really just them and the Steelers that don't do any guarantees beyond year one. Other than in Pittsburgh's case, the quarterback they've bent in the past to get like a Ben Roethlisberger deal done. Are the Bengals willing to go? anywhere near a fully guaranteed structure for Joe Burrow, which, listen, he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. He can kind of, he has the leverage to command anything, but he's also under contract to one team for the next two years. 
are the Bengals going to make that type? Are they going to be willing to go to the types of structures that Joe Burrow and his agent might want? That's going to be worth monitoring. Justin Herbert, again, we'll ask Staley about that in a little bit. That's going to be another one that is right up there at the top of the market. At some point, does a DAC deal get done? A new deal with two years left on his contract? Does Patrick Mahomes' deal get redone at some point? We've continued to see the quarterback market skyrocket. I mean, the first $40 million quarterback was not that long ago, and now I believe there's 10. I mean, that's how much this has changed over the past several years here. Now we're talking about 50 and $60 million quarterbacks, which, of course, changes your whole dynamic. There's other extensions, too. Does Justin Jefferson get done at some point? He did show up and was practicing with his teammates. He actually said yesterday, regardless of the contract, he's going to show up on time to training camp, which makes sense. He's a three-year player. Again, they've got him under contract for the next two seasons. But he's also a guy who, if Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and the Vikings are trying to figure out, okay, when should we do this deal? You want to get the deal done sooner than later. Not only because you want Justin Jefferson to feel loved and because you want him to be there and be a leader for your team, but also because the receiver market keeps going up and up and up. Is this a... There's a lot of three-year wide receiver deals. This is a three-year, $90 million deal for Justin Jefferson. I don't know, but I don't know that it's far off. And if his agents are looking at this, and no one has told me this, but I'm looking for something that's pretty close to that range, just seeing what all these other wide receivers have been getting paid. So you have to keep an eye on that one. There's obviously the quarterback competitions as well. Not going to be seeing a whole lot on that. Prior to training camp, obviously, once we get past mini camps here, you got the drama with the tagged players. We heard from Saquon finally a couple of days ago. That's going to be it's going to be a big deal. You got Saquon Barkley is one of the highest profile players in the league, former high draft pick in New York, and you got Josh Jacobs, who is the reigning NFL rushing champ with the Raiders. In addition to Tony Pollard and Evan Ingram, but Barkley Jacobs, especially with the state of the running back market right now, we talked with Dalvin about that yesterday. We talked with Leonard Fournette about it on the show yesterday too. Like these guys, as Leonard said, we do talk. There's no group thread, but we do talk. <laughs> I really wish they did have one. A though. running back group thread. I yeah, mean, I was convinced for a while. I'm, I'm glad I, that he answered that question. I was convinced there had to be because they all seem to know what's going on with everybody else. Uh-huh. And if you're trying to figure out am I going to get a deal done? You want to have a pulse on what's going to happen someplace else. Am I about to take a deal and somebody else is going to outshoot it by $3 million? Or if there's not a deal coming to me, am I the only one? Because it's, it's hard out there right now on the running backs. And those guys are up at the top of the list. So those are the biggest storylines in my mind going into training camp here. Those are the biggest loose ends, let's say that. Obviously, you've also got the commander's sale that you would hope is wrapped up. The league actually sent a memo out to the owners yesterday told, telling them to hold two dates. I believe it was July 20th and August 8th. There'll be... Actually, I'm not sure what people would be rooting for there. July 20th, you're interrupting vacations. August 8th is like middle of training camp. Neither one's ideal. They would have liked to approve it back in May. But the fact they're even saying hold those dates indicates this thing's tracking to get done sooner than later here. And that'll have a big effect on a lot of different people even if they're not on hard knocks, which kind of had to be rooting. I mean, imagine that. If it's August 8th that the sale gets done, it'll be the first time in hard knocks history you literally have an ownership change. I would put the percent chance so low that Dan Snyder even appears on the show, 
But like oh, no that way. is a scenario where maybe, maybe you get a Dan Snyder look. I don't see him putting on a microphone and getting interviewed, but maybe he pops up on the show. Is the league hmm. and, and HBO and NFL Films are they just waiting for someone to volunteer? Just any team? I know you got they, the. I know they created this new el- eligibility list for Hard Knocks. You know, no rookie coaches. Right. Nobody who made the playoffs last year has right. to do it. Are they just waiting for anybody to volunteer, it seems like? I mean, to an extent, that's true. But at this point, you can force teams to do it. Usually they want to somehow incentivize people and somehow kind of make clear, okay, we need you to do this. Here's the benefits to you. There's teams that want to do it. There are teams, uh, Detroit last year, actually wanted to do it hmm. organizationally because, listen— Everybody's reduced Dan Campbell for two years to one quote in his opening press conference. Oh, it was a great quote. It's a though. memorable quote. <laughs> but like, I, I, I've told, I've told many people, like, we need a moratorium on the biting kneecaps joke because like, there's so much more to Dan Campbell, and you saw it on yeah. that show last year. Yeah, he was great. There's also Metallica lyrics. There's, oh yeah, there's all kinds <laughs> of great Dan, Dan, tunnels and all kinds. Of Dan stuff. is way smarter great. than everybody gives him credit for. He's built a hell of a staff. In Detroit, the fact that Ben Johnson, who is the hottest head coaching candidate in this cycle, besides D'Amico Ryans, turned down. I mean, he very possibly would have been the Panthers coach right now if he had not decided he wanted to go back to Detroit. He wanted to take another run at it. And a big part of that for Ben is he wants to go to the playoffs. He wants to see this thing through. He wants to finish it off. And he thinks that, you know, he can grow and he's got a loyalty to Dan, too. He wants to be there with them. They've known each other a long time, going back to Miami. He wants to be a part of that thing. I mean, just think about that. When's the last time we talked about the Lions having a chance to do something? Having a chance to be, I mean, I think, I have no idea what the Vegas odds are. You can look those up, Brockman, but I got to think they are one of, if not the favorite, to win the division, certainly to make the playoffs. And I think that the first taste of this Lions program that a lot of people got was hard knocks last year. You cannot argue, even though the Lions started slow last season before they really turned things on, you can't argue that hard knocks was anything but great for the Lions because they were able to show, here's the depth of this program. Here's what we're about. This isn't some clown show operation here. This is the real deal. Dan Campbell is a real dude. Like He's exactly, it's not a caricature. It's not him putting on an act authenticity is a wildly underrated trait in head coaches. If you are faking it, just like we just heard from Stefanski talking about Jonathan Gannon, people are looking at Gannon and his opening press conference, things like that's, that's, that's JG. That's his real personality. If you are faking it, players see through that stuff. And there are plenty of examples of coaches through time who once they got into that big role, they weren't cut out for it because they were trying to act like what they thought a head coach should be. Dan Campbell came in, and he's unlike any head coach in the NFL, but he's Dan Campbell. He's exactly himself. And Hard Knocks you know, benefited that. I don't know that if you're a team like the Commanders that this helps you, just because you've already got enough going on <laughs> in terms of you've got yeah. coaches under fire, you've got a potential ownership change, you've got a quarterback competition. There may be too much on your plate. And I think Ron Rivera at this point just kind of wants to keep his head down in all likelihood and just get to the season and try to play well, win some games, and make sure that you're sticking around as part of this new regime. With the Jets, I don't know if they need any more attention. They're going to be the number one story 
in a lot of ways in the NFL going into training camp. We didn't really see Aaron do a whole lot in the spring. What he looks like, how he plays. They're on Monday Night Football in week one. They got a really talented young roster. Do you need hard knocks? I don't know that you need hard knocks in a place like that. Who's the other eligible team? There's one more. Uh, Saints? Saints, I think. The Saints are eligible to go back. I don't know that that necessarily benefits them either. But and we've already seen Derek Carr and Hard Knocks. You know, the Raiders just did it a few years ago. That's right. I feel like that was a, that season was mostly about them going out to eat, wasn't it? Wasn't it mostly? It was like the, that was the Selman episode, right? Yeah, Antonio Brown too, right? Wasn't that year also? Antonio Brown, yeah he he occasionally showed up occasionally, on that show. My guy Mike Mayock had to come out and tell the reporters that he wasn't there. Over, I can't remember if that was the helmet or when he froze his feet off, falling asleep in the um, hyperbaric the chamber. Feet, I think it was the, the feet, feet frozen first, thing. Yeah. I love that Antonio Brown is still hovering around in the universe too. He's still popping up, claiming he's playing for a arena league team in Albany, New York. Well, he owns a team. He's still, but he's also claiming he's playing. Oh, really? Well, no, he denied in a, in a legal filing that he owns the team. Oh, okay. Uh, but then also then claims okay. he is playing and owns the team. It's a it's a whole thing. There's still, I, I never take, you know, I keep a spreadsheet with all the free agents in the NFL just so I don't forget things. Like I'm trying to jog my memory. Okay, who's still out there? I, I can't delete Antonio Brown yet. Even though he has not played since he took his pads and jersey off and ran off the field Hold in New on. York. Hold on. You won't delete Antonio Brown, but you've deleted Tom Brady already? Tom Brady is also still on the list. Just Thank in case. You, <laughs> Thank you, Tom. So is Gronk. Thank you. Okay. You happy over there, Boston? I, I, I am happy. They're both they're both still on the list. Back. Colin Kaepernick's still on the list. There's there's a lot of things that can happen <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, do you realize Tim Tebow was on a team two years ago at this time? Tim Tebow was oh, on the Jack, Jaguars yeah. as a tight end. Yeah. In 2021, that's a real thing that happened. It did. And then well, did not end well. Urban Meyer was well, a head yeah, coach Urban for a second. Coach. Urban Meyer was a head <laughs> yeah. coach two years ago. Weird things happen in the NFL, man. There's not a lot. Just like with Diggs, when I say, like, there's no way. Well, there's really no way he could get traded here. But odd things happen. Logistically, it makes zero sense. There's no reason for the Bills to do it. No. But weird things happen in the NFL. Uh, We got to take a break. Brandon Staley, Chargers coach, going to join us after this. What is the state of the Justin Herbert contract negotiations? How things going with Kellen Moore out there? And how do they knock off the team that seems to be the Super Bowl favorite year after year after year and the MVP favorite year after year, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? We'll get into all that with Brandon Staley coming up right after this. It's Tom Pelissero in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O, O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Seattle is hosting New Orleans in a playoff game. Correct. Up in Seattle. And we played them earlier. We played them earlier. And so the first thing in the morning when I get up <laughs> is I have a waffle, you know, the whipped cream, strawberries, and I'm, I'm flipping through the networks trying to get either ESPN or NFL Network. Who's going to give me the forecast? There's NFL Network. I got it. I'm eating my waffle, and they pan down on Russell Wilson and Drew Brees throwing a football on the field in their grays. I'm going to tell you where I'm supposed to be at that moment when they're throwing a football. I am supposed to be meeting with the officials, discussing the inactives, all right, and getting ready to say the Lord's Prayer and give our players a peptide. That's where I'm supposed to be when I run to the shower, call my assistant, can't get him. The waffle is spilled on the floor. I get back, my assistant says, hey, what's up? And I said, when did the buses leave? No one called. He said, coach, the buses haven't left yet. They had taken B-roll from the Monday night game. Someone in the tape room ran the wrong tape. Can you imagine? (laughs) I text Falk. He's on set with Rich. I said, what are you guys doing? (laughs) I had a cow. Like, I'm telling you, you have no idea. We're talking about being like, this is the divisional playoff game, not being there for the kickoff as the head coach. That's how late I was. <laughs> and Sean, just Marshall showing me the text. We went back and forth. I arrived. <laughs> this guy now is live on the field, and I peek out at the stadium only because of the conditions, and I take a look, and Rich says, good to have Sean Payton here at the stadium on time. <laughs> just some, some slight comment that, that not one, one person's going to understand until we tell the story. Amazing.
Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I am sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Tom Pelissero in for Rich today. Pleased to be joined right now by a guy who's entering his third season as the Los Angeles Chargers head coach, one of my favorite people in the entire league to talk to. Brandon Staley is with us. Brandon, appreciate you coming on, man. I know it's a busy week over there with minicamp. How are we doing? I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for having me. So you're in minicamp this week. Training camp's, you know, six weeks away here. You've had, a, I would say, an eventful offseason. Give me the, the state of the Chargers entering, entering year three for you. Yeah, I think this group is really hungry, really focused. Tom has you know, been really, really pleased with the professionalism and I think the overall culture of the team. I think we've done a lot of work over the last you know, three years of onboarding the right people, and I just think you see a, a really high-level group out there that's doing all the right things, and uh, that's exciting. And we've just handled our business this offseason, and you know, the real work's going to begin in training camp here uh, in July. I know you were really happy with the way that the draft came together for you guys. Take me through, I mean, first of all, your, your first round pick, but just as the draft board fell, just kind of take me through how that all unfolded for you guys. Yeah, Tom, we were in a, a position that, you know, we want to be in, which is, you know, drafting towards the end of the first round. And we thought that there were a lot of good options for us, whether it was staying put, moving back. Uh, I think we had a group of players that were really comfortable with drafting, but we certainly got the one that we were after uh, and Quentin Johnson, you know, and, and Q's had a really good spring for us. And, you know, just really gives us a dimension that we were looking for within our offense. Uh, we have a very, I think, explosive offense and ex- uh, complete offense, but I just think he gives us a dimension that I think brings out the best in some of the other players that we have. Uh, he's outstanding run-after-catch player. Um, he's a guy that played really, really well outside the red line, and what that does is I think it makes, you know, covering Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, it's going, to make, it's going to open things up for them and create more space and, um, you know, just give Justin more options. And so uh, I think to get a young receiver like that, Tom, and especially him not having to do everything right away, where he comes into a room where he can just really develop and grow and be himself and learn from, you know, two veteran players who I think are as good as anybody in the NFL. And then Josh Palmer, who had, you know, Tom, he had over 70 catches for us last year. So just think we've got a deep group and um, he's been awesome to work with so far in the spring and then you know just in terms of the other draft picks you know Tom just there's a lot of proven production from these players and I love the makeup of these guys Um, they really fit the culture that we have here Um, they've handled their business they fit in well with the veterans and uh, I'm excited to see them during training camp you've got a basketball team in that receiver room I mean you've got just some big skill weapons is there a an analytic aspect to having big men at that position just in terms of the way that the matchups unfold and then how defenses have to play you? Yeah, you know, Tom, I think you got to start with this. Is It's a pace and space league. Um, we really believe in that. And, um, you know, it's become a three-receiver league. And so no matter who those receivers are, whether they're tight ends or wideouts or even running backs, it's become that type of league. And, um, you know, it's, to me, the NFL has always been a big man's game. Um, and, and, and I think that you're seeing it in basketball, Tom, where everyone's looking for that, you know, 6'7 to 6'10, you know, player that can do everything, that can dribble, pass, and shoot, that can guard every position, you know, and that's how basketball is. You know, I've spent, you know, a couple of days with Steve Kerr and his staff at Golden State, and, 
you know, that's how the NBA is, and, and you can see it all over that league, and that's really w- what we're looking for on offense is to have a bunch of guys with size, speed, skill set uh, that you can take advantage of and, and that can truly force the, def- the defense to cover everybody, and that's what you want to be on offense is you want everybody – on the field to have a chance to touch the ball and to be a threat on the defense. And um, I know that's been important to Tom Telesco, Jojo Wooden, um, our personnel staff, our coaching staff, and, and certainly where Kellen came from in Dallas. Um, you know, that's a lot how they were structured. So, um, you know, if you look at the premium offenses in the NFL, that's, you know, that's, you know, sort of the formula. So um, we're excited to get that group on the field together. When you spend time with Steve Kerr, are you looking for, cultural things are you looking for competitive things what did, what did you take away from that experience oh tom it was just a, it was an incredible two days I, I went there in the their playoff series against the kings um i was there for game three and just spent two days with his staff he was gracious enough he and bob myers were gracious enough you know to give me a ton of access and it was it was just a uh one of my favorite things that i've ever done you know from a professional development standpoint and steve has just got so much knowledge and experiences as a player as a coach uh, there was so much to draw from, and, and it was, you know, it was co- tactical stuff. It was culture stuff. It was, you know, just all the things, uh, little things, big things, and you know, what a one of the best coaches in, in all of sports. And he was gracious enough to, to spend a bunch of time with me. And his staff was amazing too. Kenny Atkinson, um, those guys, they were they were fantastic. Mike Dunleavy, uh, you know, some of the personnel guys, they were they were just they were awesome to me. Have you done things like that before in terms of, you know, you got the U.S. Open down the street from you. Have you done cross sports things and tried to, to find things from other games? Yeah, I love that aspect of coaching. Uh, I draw a lot from that. And so, uh, you know, basketball, um, you know, I'm a huge tennis guy. Um, so I've tried to, you know, I was able to spend some time with Rafa Nadal's coaches last year. You know, went to Indian Wells, went to Wimbledon and uh, one of my good friends, um, you know, here in Orange County uh, is a professional tennis coach. And you're, you're always looking for that. You know, one of my good friends is the general manager for the Cleveland Cavs. We kind of grew up playing AAU basketball together. And you're always looking for other ways to improve. And, um, you know, that's been a big aspect of me trying to, to be as good as I can be. Brandon Staley is our guest, head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Uh, you mentioned Kellen Moore, new offensive coordinator. That was a, a pretty substantial move um, in the course of your offseason because you guys had had success Offensively, obviously, Kellen has also had a lot of success in Dallas. Without giving away all your your schematic secrets here, Brandon, uh, you know, on June fourteenth, what what is this offense going to look like, and how do you hope Kellen, from what you've seen so far, is really going to help your your young quarterback? Yeah, well, number one, I think Tom, it's been fantastic to team up with Kellen from a culture standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. He's just Anyone that knows Kellen, you know, son of a coach, a great high school coach who was his father, um, played at Boise State for Chris Peterson and uh, played in the NFL for some great coaches, Jim Caldwell, Jason Garrett, and has been around a lot of ball. And then as a coordinator, uh, you know, me having to defend this guy, uh, I just know how special he is. And to be able to team up every day with him as a, as a coach before you get to the actual X's and O's, um, that's been a highlight for me. He's been great for our staff. Him and Doug Nussmeyer on offense have, have been really fantastic for our staff. And, you know, he's just the type of guy that, you know, um, can go into a game plan and you know that he's going to bring out the best in your players. And I love the way that he makes the game simple for our players. Um, I love how he's thinking about our players first, you know, and, and thinking about them and then, you know, creating a scheme for them. 
um, both in the run game and in the pass game, and then how that fits within the football team. But, um, you know, his production speaks for itself as a play caller. I don't need to, to speak on that. I mean, you can see the, the productions in Dallas with Dak and that group of skill players and that offensive line. Um, you know, it's it's just been great to team up with them. And I know that during training camp, we're, we're going to be able to uh, figure out how to best use our guys. I know you've been asked 600 times over the past couple of months about a Justin Herbert extension. I'm going to make it 601 here, Brandon. Are we getting closer? Do we have optimism? Could this be done before camp? Where, where do we stand with Justin right now? I would say yes on all three of those uh, points you just made. Um, I, I, the, the talks are ongoing. That's the, the, the word that I've used, ongoing. Um, and we are confident and optimistic. There's been you know a lot of debate, I think, at least externally in the media and among fans about you know how difficult it is to win once you have a quarterback get paid it takes up you know 20 percent of your salary cap or whatever the number might be are you a believer that you can win and win big paying a quarterback top dollar yeah i do uh because i think that it's a lot about structure of of how you're going to structure the contracts too and then um i think that if you have an organization that has healthy uh healthy cap and you know, a good number, you know, the right amount of premium players. And as long as you don't have to sacrifice your draft capital, I think that's where people um, go wrong is they're in an unhealthy cap situation to begin with, or they don't have the, the amount of draft capital, because obviously if you're paying someone that much money, you've got to continue to replenish it um, through the draft because that's the, the, that's where you can save the, the cost. And so, um, and at the same time, you know that you need the premium players in order to win. So um, I think that if you look at our football team, I know that that we have that we have our draft capital and still you know intact for the future um now and in the future and we have the right amount of premium players on both sides of the ball and so um we've tried to really plan for this you know since i became the head coach in terms of you know where we are with the offensive line you know skill position players and um surround them with a defense and kicking game um you know, they can make us a complete team. And, you know, obviously things are going to change when this contract happens. But what's not going to change is that Justin um, is going to be leading our football team and playing like how he always does. And, you know, and that we have a team around him that, um, you know, is really special. So I'm looking forward to uh, the season, you know, getting to work in training camp. Obviously, Austin Eckler was a big topic through the offseason, too. You were able to, to come to an accord. How, how does he seem? He's a pretty intellectual guy. It seems like he yeah. understands the business of it. Is he, in terms of his mindset, his focus, is he where you want him to be right now? Yeah, Tom, he came in here yesterday, and he just lit it up like he always does. Uh, and I think, as you know, and you, you probably had some insight into this um, that that others didn't, it's just we, we love this guy, you know, and we totally understand the business side of this, and you're seeing other running backs go through the same thing, and um, we know how good of a player this guy is, and, you know, since I became the head coach, he's got 38 touchdowns, you know, and this guy's become one of the top players, you know, at his position in the league, and so I think we were able to come to a, a really, you know, I think fair agreement, and I think the respect was high the whole way, and he came into practice yesterday, and he plays like he always does, you know, he's, he's no one's in better shape, no one can cares more no one's a better professional than than Austin and uh, we're certainly a lot of better better team with him I think one of the undersold things about last season for you guys Brandon was yeah you won 10 games and you got into the playoffs but you did it with a remarkable number in a bad way of, of injuries I mean you played without your left tackle you didn't have your pass rusher you spent a lot of money on a corner who didn't really play at all your receivers were kind of in and out of the lineup through the course of the season you had to overcome a lot when you look at this roster, you know, beyond your draft, beyond signing Eric Kendricks, 
I have to imagine you feel like you've got a couple of extra free agent additions just with hopefully Roshan and, and JC coming back and being fully healthy. I, I do feel that way, Tom. Uh, we, we feel really strongly about our team, and that's why we've done what we've done. You know, I thought last year we were aggressive in free agency. Um, you know, we traded for Khalil, um, and we made those moves because we believed that that team was going to get to play together, you know, and grow together, and that's what we're doing. And, you know, we know the level of our team that's out there. You know, when I was out there yesterday at minicamp, we, we know the level of player and the level of uh, team that we have. And now, you know, I just think you're going to get to see it uh, play together and and grow together, and that's something that's hard nowadays is to get a team that can really grow together. I think you saw it with the Nuggets, you know, winning the the NBA championship. You know, that was a build from 2018, 2019 to now, and and we know that if this group gets to play together uh, over the course of a few years, that it's going to be where we know it can be. And um, you know, I'm really looking forward to this group to getting out there in training camp competing together and, and, and making each other better and, and really building us for 2023. So when you look at the division, you've got you know maybe the greatest player who's ever lived, and he's still only 27, Patrick Mahomes. You're always going to have to get past him. you got Sean Payton coming in now to Denver. Obviously, the Raiders are still building that thing there uh, with Josh, and they got a new quarterback in Jimmy. But, I mean, it comes down to the Chiefs, Brandon. When we're talking about the AFC West, we're going to be constantly saying, how does somebody – knock off the Chiefs? How does somebody knock off the multi-time MVP, the multi-time Super Bowl winner? What's the path? How do, how, do you, how do you process that from a coaching standpoint, but also just from a messaging standpoint with your team? And how do you ultimately you know, take down the team that everybody's looking at as a dynasty? You got to focus on your team, number one. You got to focus on your team and being a complete football team, because when you're playing against someone like Pat and you know, Kelsey and you know, obviously, Andy does a great job coaching. Uh, you got to do it as a team. You know, it's not going to be one person that's doing it for sure. Uh, you got to do it as a team. Uh, and you also know that we have what it takes as a team. You know, we faced this team now four times since you know I've been here, and you know you can see how we've performed in those four games. And you just know the level that we've played at. All four of our games have been fantastic, and. You know, we've got full respect for them, and, you know, we, we play them two times, you know, for sure, and probably more, you know, in the playoffs. And, you know, it's, um, you know, that's, that's what you're, you're hoping for as a competitor, is to go head-to-head with the best. And I know that that's how our guys are wired and how our organization is wired. And, um, you know, they've got a fantastic team, and they've, they've proven to be the top team in the NFL over the last, you know, five to seven years. And, um you know, we're, we're excited to, to go head-to-head with those guys. Um, you know, and there's a lot of time between now and then because you know that, you know, obviously they're the team to beat. They've proven that. But, you know, there's, six, you know, there's uh, 15 other games on the schedule that you've got to win too and prepare for. So, um, but full respect for, for those guys. And, and I, I think our rivalry has been great for, for the NFL because whenever we've played them, it, it's been a fantastic game. And certainly with Pat and Justin going head-to-head um, with as many marquee players that are on both sides, uh, it's, been, it's been awesome for the league. So what are you going to do with yourself these next six weeks, Brandon? Do you, do you get away? Do you, do you wake up in the middle of the night thinking of new schemes? Like, what do you, what do, you do with yourself for the, until, from now until training camp? <laughs> All of it. You know, just spend a bunch of time with family. You know, work out like crazy. Read, you know, tape, plan, prepare, you know, repeat, you know. And, but make sure that we're making a lot of memories as a family. And uh, you're never too far away from, from this job. And, and that's what makes it so special. Uh, there's a lot to do, uh, and that's what makes it so fulfilling. Uh, but I'm really excited about this football team. Uh, you know, really looking forward to this last day of minicamp and, you know, a great summer ahead. And uh, like you said, we're, you know, we're going to spend this five weeks getting better and, and making a bunch of memories as a family.
You're the best, Brandon. Thanks a lot for coming on, man. Tom, thanks for having me, man. Have a great summer. Yeah, you too. It's Brandon Staley, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. That division, the AFC West, I think was the one, I know was the one that we talked about so much last offseason because it was Russell Wilson is going to Denver. We got the Raiders bringing in Devontae Adams to reunite him with, with Derek Carr. And then obviously the Chargers, they had made the big moves to bring Khalil Mack. They brought in J.C. Jackson. The Chiefs were the team that everyone was like, well, they're, man, they, they trade away Tyreek. How are they going to replace that production? Then you sit here 12 months later. We know how all those situations played out. One team is once again the Super Bowl champions. The Broncos you know, made it a ton of changes, coaching change, to try to get Russell back on track. The Raiders have moved on from Derek Carr. The Chargers are the team that I don't feel like anybody has been talking about. I don't feel like everybody realizes how talented they are. They load up even more, like we were just talking about, at the wide receiver position. They got all these big dudes who are mismatch threats. Justin Herbert... Listen, I, I get I get the bias against the Chargers because of what happened in the playoff game. The fact of the matter is, they were up big in the playoff game. They overcame so much throughout the course of the season. If J.C. Jackson is J.C. Jackson, that's a massive addition for this team. Yeah. Rashawn Slater comes back, which all indications are he's fully healed now. That's a massive addition for that team. Injuries impact everybody. I get it. The Chargers, I mean, historically have had more than everybody else. They're the team that constantly, guys, don't come back as soon right. as they could have. There's setbacks that occur. But this team, when healthy, I mean, I, I think are as talented as anybody in the AFC. And this is a big year, no doubt about it, for Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert and everybody else. They've got a veteran roster. They finally got the defensive pieces where they want them. They got a new OC with Kellen Moore. I would just fairly say, and not just because Brandon was kind enough to grace us with his presence today, mm-hmm. popped out of a team meeting, jumped on with us for 15 minutes, which we appreciate. I just don't think anybody should be sleeping right now on the L.A. Chargers. Uh, we got to take a break. Got a lot more to come throughout the course of the show. I believe we're going to have Alan Shipnick on to talk about the complete chaos in the sport of golf right now as the U.S. Open gets set to begin right down the street from us in L.A. Uh, tomorrow. A lot more NFL talk as well. It's Tom Pelissero in for Rich Eisen on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The sleep number, sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... 
The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. You met Prince, correct? Yeah, what yeah. Was- I never forget. We were at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Security came to me to my seat at the end of the show or towards the end of the show and said, "Prince wants you to come on stage." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, he wants you to come on stage now. Oh, all right, so I'll go on stage. It's me, Whoopi Goldberg, Cornell West, have a smiley, bunch of other people on stage, and we went to this after-hour spot after the concert, a place called Village Underground in, in the sure. village. Sure, oh, it's famous. Yeah, and so, you know, because Prince likes to jam afterwards. Well, Prince just went to go listen to the musicians, and so it's Prince, his assistant, and myself. And I see Prince lean over to his assistant, and then all of a sudden the assistant leans over to me and says, uh, I don't know why I do this voice, but it's like, Prince wants you to come back and have pasta and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Oh, okay. And then Prince got up and left, and she got up and left. I don't know why her voice is so deep, because it was a woman. She got up and she left. Because you were summoned. You were summoned by royalty. And there was, you know, an array of people uh, in the living room, and I went back to find Prince, and he was back there holding court with Tavis Smiley and Cornell West, and he looked up and smiled and gave me the peace sign, and I went back in, and we had pasta and pizza at 4 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) How did Prince like his pizza? Um, this is very important. No, the first, toppings first off, is a window into one's first soul. Off, there was no meat on the pizza, and I didn't okay. see Prince eat any pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would go to his house, man, for, for the house parties, and it'd be Stevie Wonder playing the piano, uh, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner on bass, uh, you know, R- uh, Rochelle Farrell singing lead. It was just amazing, man. And then you would it's like 5 o'clock in the morning, his chef is serving you breakfast. You're like, why am I at Prince's house at 5 o'clock in the morning, man? It wouldn't be the end of hockey season without some crazy story about the injuries that players uh, gutted it out through during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Post-game last night, Paul Maurice, the uh, head coach of the Florida Panthers, revealed... Matthew Tuchuk fractured his sternum in game three. Broke his chest. <laughs> that that seems dangerous. <laughs> uh, also, Aaron Ekblad played through a broken foot, popping his shoulder twice and tearing his oblique. Some players, according to Maurice, may not be ready for the start of next season. Fractured sternum, I think, actually wins for me over broken foot Popping shoulder twice and tearing oblique. Dude, Ekblad broke his foot in round one against the Bruins. Played for six weeks on a broken foot. Seems painful. (laughs) 
Scored a goal last night. What's what's the worst injury you've ever had to gut it out through, Brockman? <sighs> worst injury. Well, I, I ate um I ate part of Mike Del Tufo's hat once. <laughs> that was an and injury. then had and had to finish the show. What um, can you give me the context <laughs> oh. on the hat eating? Yeah, I fell for the McLovin bait. Uh Andrew Perloff, formerly of the Dan Patrick show, had tweeted something about um the Eagles making the playoffs or something. And I, I had a lot of faith in the Cowboys that year to win the division. When was this? Like four years ago, TJ, something like that? And so I was like, if the, if the Eagles make it, I'll eat, Mike, I'll eat a hat. So, uh, he felt too much hat. So anyway. How did you fast forward? I'm sorry, I know this isn't the they, point. Cut yeah. out part of Del Tufo's okay. hat. I was actually sad about that. Small little that. swatches. Put it inside of a peanut butter oh. and jelly sandwich. Oh my. And I ate it. You got sick, and right? I immediately felt sick. Yeah, you got sick. Yeah. I mean, look at Del Tuvo's hat. I mean, I wouldn't want to. Oh, no, it was own. disgusting. It was a Rich Eisen show uh, hat, had the logo on it. Uh, we cut a piece from the back. It was disgusting. Probably, I'm getting yeah. sick just thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> I felt bad for Chris having to do that. I didn't. What about you, TJ? Worst injury you've had three to get it out ago. through here? Here on the show or just yeah. in life? <laughs> yeah, no, here on the show. Oh, and. Uh, Having to, you know, do a show at, the day after I got in a car wreck when a van hit me with my back. It seemed like somebody was holding a blowtorch in the middle of my back. And then multiple migraines that I got during the uh, NBA playoffs because the Sixers and the Clippers <laughs> almost made these two veins on my temples <laughs> explode. So as these guys know, I went through about two weeks of just like feeling like my head was literally going to explode on air. But, you know, that's about it. Del Tufo? Real life would be when I dislocated my kneecap, though. That, you dislocated your kneecap? Yeah, that was one of the most painful things that I've ever had happen. Seems gross. Yeah, it hurt. Del Tufo. Rotator cuff. Sitting on a plane next to a really big guy, bigger than <laughs> I ever was. And I had to hold my shoulder like this for five hours. And I literally tore my rotator. I'm not kidding. I got partial tear. And it just <laughs> healed within the last, like, year. It took five years. I've had a partially torn rotator cuff it for a sucked. long time, but mine's from worst. pitching in high school. I couldn't throw Not from sitting awkwardly on a plane. <laughs> uh, yes. And, by the way, I, I got 20,000 miles from that thing because I bitched at the airline. Because <laughs> he didn't buy the second no, seat? No, because the guy shouldn't have been in the middle. He was 350 oh, he was pounds. Middle seat. Well, the technically, poor woman was like... I, I, mean, I don't mean to side against you here, but technically the person in the middle does have the right to both armrests. Yeah, but no, no. You see, the problem with that, I didn't have a problem with that, but he was too big for the middle seat. Mike, you just double fat shamed and seat shamed. Guess what? I was, I was a fat guy. I'm getting skinnier now, but I can claim I can actually fat shame because I was big. I also had a ungodly uh, sized bruise on my back oh, oh, when I fell off a oh, hoverboard God. and crashed oh. on my mic pack oh, in God. Washington, D.C. Yeah, Chris, that was the. I felt well, so he good. says on God. I mean, this thing was Close. bigger than a softball, but not quite as big as a basketball. So somewhere in between, that that was the worst it looked like my kidney ever. exploded. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was not great. That, the, seemed, that seems bad. Yeah, there are photos. Oh, there's out. videos of all these things that I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> no one Hoskins right with the quick fit. He'll He's pull got up that. He's got it. He's got it. Sure, at some point. Yeah, and yeah. you'll get to see him. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we will get to it. We'll Break his that. back. Pretty terrible. I've, I've had a few. Final. I've had a few dumb things like in the field. You know, being a reporter. The one, the most recent one was at the Senior Bowl. You may have seen the video where I arm wrestled uh, the quarterback Tyson Bajent's dad, mm -hmm. Travis the Beast Bajent 
who uh, has, I think he's a 27-time world arm wrestling champion. Yeah, I did I not see that. this, but I know about this guy. I, right? <laughs> I don't know if we bring it up, but uh, so, you know, I, I decided to go for it, right? Like, I, yeah, I was like, not? I told him before, I'm just like, just don't hurt me. Because what my fear was, <laughs> it was going to be like a full slam situation and like my whole arm was going to fall off, right? So he's like, ah, I got you, I got you. So I was like, if you see the video, I'm like going, clearly I'm not moving him with one hand. So I put a second hand on him trying to pull. And then he just kind of slowly moves my entire body over like this. And for like the next 15 minutes, I couldn't feel my right hand. And so I'm like, I don't know if I did actual damage or if it's just like I was using muscles that didn't exist before. But like holding a microphone when you can't actually feel your hand is a different, it's a different type of an experience, I would say. <laughs> Sitting here is a lot simpler in this uh, wow, this seat. Yeah. Lower chance for injury. Don't make me eat anything. Uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson mentioned earlier that he was talking about the new offense in Baltimore. Let's just play a little bit about what Lamar is saying they're going to look like with Todd Monken now calling the plays for the Ravens. Feel like making the adjustments at the line of scrimmage is becoming more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And the more I'm being here, it helps um, helps both of us out a lot. Um, and like I said before in uh, another interview, uh, Coach Todd Monken just giving us the keys to the offense to let us do our thing is pretty much helping us a lot as well. Started to really feel good about Greg Roman's offense. How long did that take? And how long do you think it will take you to really feel comfortable in Todd Monken's offense? Uh, I don't think that long. Um, uh, G-Roll's offense, it didn't take that, take that long. I think, I believe 2019, that's when he got the um, OC job. And, you know, we I feel like we went 14-2. to And... Coach Todd Monk, and I don't know the sky's the limit with this offense. We're going to see. They've obviously been very productive with Lamar's quarterback. A big part of that is the, is the running aspect of it. I, I'm really interested to see. Todd Munkin's had a good reputation, always as an offensive mind. He obviously spent the last couple of years at Georgia, won national titles with Stetson Benedict quarterback. A little different skill set for Lamar Jackson here. And it certainly seems, based upon where they've used their resources here, that the offense is indeed going to evolve. Now, I don't think that you're going to see Lamar throwing the ball 50 times a game and running it three. I don't, I don't think that that's going to be that drastic. But you don't give Odell Beckham Jr. $15 million guaranteed when he hasn't played in a year. And you don't draft Zay Flowers in the first round of the draft if you're not intending to open things up in terms of the passing game. Now, there's a fine line there always when you have quarterbacks who... The run threat is what makes them their most dangerous. When years ago, Colin Kaepernick, uh, I think it was in 2015, and they tried to make him into more of a pocket passer and like evolve his game that way. And it just took away a lot of what Kaepernick had done well, which was, you know, his uh, one time a GM told me, he goes, the greatest skill of Kaepernick is when you get home as a rusher on him, seven out of 10 times, he escapes. He makes you miss. The play breaks down. He gets outside the pocket. He's got a big arm, so he can throw it down the field. But if you start just having him try to play within rhythm, it's not you're not facing the same type of a guy. It's a different type of a, a challenge. So how Todd Monken and John Harbaugh and those guys walk that line, I think is going to be a, a big storyline for how well this all works out for Lamar Jackson. He's been paid now. He's you know he's had, had injuries the last couple of years. Does he? keep himself on the field? Does he stay healthy? Does he take care of his body? And then how do they adapt with this offense? I think it's one of the big storylines throughout the season. We, we finally are done talking about Lamar Jackson's contract. 
Now it's a matter of, is there another layer to Lamar Jackson that we have not seen previously? And I think that, you know, the AFC North in general, that's going to be one of the things that kind of drives how that division goes. I mean, it's always last year, the AFC West was the one that we were talking about going into the season that like every matchup, you're going to want to see every matchup in this division. We got to like October and it was like, nah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe this is, maybe we, yeah, right? we set the bar so high, <laughs> high, we were bound to be disappointed. I like the AFC North for years has been one that like, you don't really want to miss, definitely since Joe Burrow got there, you don't want to miss any of those those matchups. Is Lamar Jackson in this offense playing with different types of weapons than he's had in the past enough for them to challenge the Bengals in the division? Is Deshaun Watson, who Kevin Stefanski was just telling us, looks a lot different than he was a year ago? And they're continuing to evolve. You know, is that enough for the Browns to be in that conversation? And then can Kenny Pickett stay on the field? And is this kind of the new, the post-Ben Steelers team ready to be more than just a team that like we're we're impressed that they got to nine and eight with their challenges? Are they ready to get back to competing to try to go to another Super Bowl? I I, I do believe that that's going to be a really competitive division throughout the season. Barring, obviously, injuries and other freak things that can happen here. It should be one, again, without this on the AFC West last year, but it should be a division where those games are must-see TV. Uh, Alan Shipnick's going to join us, talk about the U.S. Open and the chaos in the game of golf coming up in the second hour. And after this, it's what's more likely time, Woo-hoo! Brockman. Get yourself ready over there. Tom Pellicero in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. 